Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello and welcome to Money is Emotional with your host, Christine Lucan. Christine, what song do you have stuck in your head? Oh, oh, what a night. <laughs> That's right. We were talking about that before the show. Listeners, if you have a song stuck in your head, email Christine, share that song with her. We're going to try to see how many songs we can pack in there. Uh, or maybe we'll just displace this one that's been stuck in my head for 30 There weeks. we go. We're looking for replacement <laughs> songs. Please email as soon as possible oh. your favorite song that gets stuck in your head so we can replace the one that's currently stuck in Christine's head. Uh, I'm, I might regret that. And I'm like, oh, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when I have a song stuck in my head that I don't know the tune of really well. Mm. And then yes. it's just a, it's just a disaster up there. I feel like I'm constantly listening to, you know, American Idol or you know those early shows where they're just land blasting people that couldn't sing, and that's me inside my own head going, I have no uh, idea how the song goes, but I know the lyrics. Or it's like a song that you've been singing for like twenty plus years, and all of a sudden you find out what the real lyrics are, <laughs> yeah. and then it it completely ruins everything. Yeah, everything. But, yep. Yeah, you, all the memories you made with that song gone, just gone, gone, just ruined. You, you've been living a lie. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord. That's what okay. it feels like. But we we are not talking about earworms, songs mm. that are stuck in your head. What Something we're talking about today? Exciting. Something much more is, exciting. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's more exciting. It's a little more complicated, and that is we are going to be demystifying credit scores today. Perfect. These things can be so confusing. Yeah, right. I mean, how are they calculated? Why do they go up and down? How important are they really? And that's what we're going to be talking about because I get questions about this all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the first thing we need to do is understand what it is and how it's calculated. So, your credit score basically tells you how well you are playing with debt, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's like your report card. You know, you're getting an A in gym. Do you do you play do you play nicely with others? That's pretty much what your credit score is. Like, are you playing nicely with debt? If you are not playing with debt at all you could not have a credit score. I mean, that's where mm -hmm. we all start out, right? Yes. Yep. And we've been told that it's very important to establish our credit score and to maintain our credit score and to have a good credit score. This essentially affects how easy it is for us to borrow money. And it also affects the price we pay to borrow money. So the credit scores range from 300 to 850. I don't know where they picked this range, 
I, I think maybe they were drunk when they did it. I was going to say, there had to be alcohol involved, honestly. <laughs> like, 300 to 850. I, I always thought it went to 1,000. So no. I'm learning things already. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I used to joke when I hit financial rock bottom that my credit score was probably negative. Well, that's impossible. It couldn't be. So it was probably like 301. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right there on that border. And the ranges also make no sense. I'm going to tell you what they are. And, you know, we're going to we're going to link up some really helpful resources in the show notes. So you don't have to literally, you know, pull the car over to the side of the road or stop doing your dishes and grab a pen to write these down. So we're we've got you covered. So they range from 300 to 850. So anything that's under 580 is considered poor mm -hmm. and it's going to be really hard for you to borrow money without a cosigner, most likely. So when we go from 580 to 669, that is considered fair. So you're kind of considered a higher risk for sure, and you're probably gonna pay more to borrow money. And so you, you may not qualify for like traditional car financing. You may need to go to the buy here, pay here car lot. The 670 to 739. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm just good. glad on that last category, they didn't stop at like <laughs> 580 to 666 because that'd be the credit of the beast. <laughs> just saying. Sorry. It'd probably be easier to remember. Like, I just right? got to stay above 666 and then I'm That's good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> below that, it's hell to pay. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Terrible. So this Terrible. is considered good slash average. Um, okay. You know, if you are 740 to 799, that's that's very good. So you're probably going to be getting better mortgage rates. And anything over 800 is considered excellent. Mm. This means when you walk down the street, people are going to be throwing credit card applications at you. You're going to qualify for the best rates. People are going to want to lend you money when you've got an 800 or higher. Now, the percentage of people that actually have 800 or higher, I would imagine, is pretty slim. And so those are your numbers, right? So how do they determine what your number is? This gets even more crazy. So the credit score is based on five categories of how you play with debt. The first one is payment history. And this is the the biggest chunk of your credit score. And basically, this means paying your bill on time. Pay your bill on time. Mm -hmm. That's going to make up the bulk of your credit score. And then followed is the amounts that you owe on your various debts. So what they're looking for, sometimes we can also um, refer to this as your utilization rate. Mm -hmm. Another piece that makes no sense when it comes to your credit cards, they want to see that you are only utilizing about 20 to 30% of your available credit. 
So if you have a credit card with a limit of 10000 and you are constantly carrying a balance of 5000 that's actually going to count against you. Really? Yes. Hmm. So now I don't know. I'm not sure that anybody knows. If you have five credit cards, are they looking at each individual credit card or are they looking at them? as a whole. So for example, if you're only using five to 10% of most of your credit cards, and then you've got one where you've got a bigger chunk on there, mm -hmm. are they looking at each one individually? Are they looking at them as a whole? I'm not sure that anybody knows. <laughs> that's, that's interesting, because I've got a I've got a comment about that. And then I have a question. Because a lot of what I've seen done, and, and this can be a quote, unquote, strategy is when you have a couple credit cards, and then maybe you get a credit card offer that is 0% financing for six months, 0% financing for the first year, and then it kicks up to you know the 19 or 25% or whatever. People will get a credit card and transfer a lot of their debt onto that one credit card that has 0% for a certain amount of time because it's 0%, right? And then they're paying right. just principal. They're, they're not paying um, you know any of the interest because it's at 0%. So I wonder if that screws up their credit because they're Again, they're loading up the one card. Mm -hmm. um, so that that would be interesting. But I have a quick question for you: when you when you talk about the amounts owed, does that take into consideration how many cards you have? Because I was I was told um, by somebody who works in this field that like when we were getting out of debt, we started canceling our cards, and they said that was actually working against us because if you have a few cards and you carry low balances or zero balances on that, that's better than maybe going down to one credit card and canceling all your other ones. Do, have mm -hmm. you heard anything about that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Weird. We'll, we'll talk about that a little more in depth a little bit later. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it can weird things like that can affect your score. So the other thing is the length of your credit history. So mm -hmm. the credit cards that you've had the longest, actually are more favorable. So that's one thing I do tell people as we are paying off their debt. And, you know, I mean, I've had clients with 10, 12, 15 credit cards. Hmm. And so our goal is to pay off that debt and reduce the amount of credit cards for sure. So I often tell them, I want you to keep your oldest card. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, even if you just, you know, put gas on it once a month and pay it in full, because it is better for your credit score. So another portion of it is new credit. So if you are constantly adding new credit, that can ding your score and your credit mix. So they like to see that you have both revolving credit, like a credit card, but they also like to see that you have fixed payment loans in there, like mortgages, car loans, mm. et cetera. So it's pretty interesting. But so FICO and Vantage score are the ones that create the credit scoring models. So they regularly create and release new versions of their scoring models with these analytical techniques all the time as things improve and consumer behaviors change. So they also create 
different types of credit scores for specific purposes, such as for lenders who are pulling credit for auto loans or for mortgages. So there's currently 44 models for generating credit scores. And this is why you can pull your credit from different places and get different scores. A lot of banks will automatically show you what your credit score is. So several of my, you know, I've got one credit card that does this, and then I've got Mint where I track all my my spending and my net worth. That tells me my credit score. One of my credit cards does, and one of my banks also does. It's always a different number. It's never exactly the same. Okay, so let me let me ask you this. <laughs> <laughs> is, is FICO, who is FICO? Is that a government agency? Is that a private company? I mean, it, it's private, but they are regulated, I believe. There are some regulations. That so it sounds to, to me like follow. they're just changing rules and, and making new algorithms and doing all this stuff just to keep themselves in business. <laughs> just, it's, it's, I mean, it sounds kind of like manipulation. Oh, well, we're going to change this. Um, yes. And look, it's a new system. Yeah, well, and you know, my point about this is that your credit score is a moving target. And there's a lot of things that affect it. And so it's kind of like when you go to the doctor, and they have you get on the scale, and you always weigh like, three to five pounds more than what you weigh at home. Yeah, Does this happened to you. <laughs> Just Okay, that like, it's like you've been watching what happened last week. It, seriously, Christine, I, I've, I've been Two, I have no shame in this. It's 248 for like a decade and a half, maybe maybe almost 20 years. Like 248. I fluctuate just a couple pounds. I went to the doctor the other day, got on the scale. It's a 263. It's a big fat liar. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I, that, that is not accurate whatsoever. And the nurse is looking at me going, uh-huh. <laughs> Compared to what? I'm like, the one I've been weighing myself on for 20 freaking years. I'm not 263. That can't possibly be right. So You're like, wait, I got some gold bars in my pocket. <laughs> I'm paying off the nurse. Don't look at the scale. Just write down the number I tell you. Let's call Pico and see what that number is. So, That's so funny. Yeah. Well, and you you alluded to this. And my second point is that there are things that affect your credit score in ways that you wouldn't expect. Um, so you might make a money smart move mm -hmm. that affects your credit score negatively. And so you mentioned you know, closing credit cards. This is something that when I'm working with my clients to get their debt paid off, we stagger closing credit cards. Mm -hmm. So, okay. you know, we decide, okay, which of your credit cards do you definitely want to keep? A lot of times they have a card that has rewards, especially travel rewards that they like or there's one with a larger credit limit they want to keep. So we might say like, okay, if they've got 10 to 12 credit cards, maybe we identify two or three that we're going to keep. You know, so maybe it's their oldest card, their travel card, and then maybe they've got a Visa or MasterCard with a $10,000 limit and they want to keep that one. So what we'll do is we will, I will have them close, even though they pay them off, we may keep some of them open. Mm -hmm and not close them right away. So what we might do is say, okay, let's close your gap card right away. And then two to three months later, we'll close this other card. 
And then three or four months later, we'll close this other card. And you may even see a little dip every time that happens. Because what they're looking at is it's kind of like this balance between how much potential credit could you possibly run up? Mm -hmm. And if that number gets too big, that can be a negative. But when we talked about that credit utilization, you know, if you're closing lines of credit, depending on the balances that you have on other cards, that could increase your utilization, right? So you pay off a $5,000 card and you were utilizing less than 20%. But once you close that card, then all of a sudden, you know, it's a little bit more. You could see some increase or decrease mm -hmm. depending on how FICO is feeling that day. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting is, you know, my credit score dropped over 50 points when I paid off my mortgage. This this podcast is getting on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> it's good information. Don't get me wrong, but this is, this is getting the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. Uh, and the reason why that happened was because of the credit mix, right? So now my husband and I are in the situation where the only debt that we have is credit cards, but we pay them in full every month. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we do to ensure that we're never bumping up against that, um, that utilization rate is I make payments on my credit cards twice a month instead of once a month. Gotcha. Yep. So, you know, I mean, there might be, there might be something big that I want to buy. You know, if I'm booking a bunch of travel, then I might buy it and then immediately pay it off. So it's never above that, you know, 20 to 30% utilization. So, but the other crazy thing is, especially with this credit mix, I saw this happen with one of my clients. We decided that the best way to eliminate her debt was to get a consolidation loan because she had some really high interest rate balances because she had several store credit cards. And so, you know, we found a lender where we could, I mean, and it was a huge chunk. It was, um, it was over $50,000 in debt. And so we were able to find her a refinance deal, but it was a fixed payment. Okay. So the crazy thing is we were struggling to get her credit score up to 700 so she could qualify for a better rate for this loan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once we, as soon as she hit that 700 mark, she got everything refinanced. Within two weeks, her credit score jumped up to 800. Wow. And the reason why is because she had not had a fixed loan. She had only had credit cards because her her car was paid for and she's a renter. Mm, so yep, yep. her her credit mix changed and her credit utilization like she was at like 80 percent, 70 to 80 percent of her credit card utilization. All of a sudden it dropped down to zero. Mm. 
And so her credit score shot up when really the only thing that we did was we moved debt from one form to another. And her credit score shot up that much. Wow, that's great. Yes. It's funny. You said something earlier um, that you're making me think of just now when you said like when your credit is 800 or higher, people are throwing applications at you. Yeah. My my experience was we my wife and I had some pretty poor credit uh, quite a few years ago. I would say we were in the fair category, right? When we hit good, because we were I was right around seven hundred. When all of a sudden our mailbox was stuffed with <laughs> with credit applications, yep. I'm like, yeah. what in the what is going on here? I don't know what they're allowed to do or how they're allowed to pull it or how they all talk to each other. But every day we'd have three or four offers in there for credit, and it mm-hmm. like okay, well that's a good sign, I guess. You know that yeah. That now they're recognized we have better credit, but it, now that our credit is, I, I don't think we're above eight hundred, but we're definitely in the very good category now in the upper seven hundreds. I don't get nearly as many, but it was it was like right when we hit that good, they're like, oh, let's pull you back in <laughs> with all these stupid offers. <laughs> And hey, check this out. It's zero percent for the first six months, and then it's gonna be fifty-five percent or some some dumb number like that. I'm like, this is this is insane. This is like rigged to try to tempt people to get back into more debt. I, just, I know. Yeah, I know. so that's just weird. Yeah. So I just like to tell people like be aware of how opening and closing lines of credit might affect your credit score, especially if you are, you know house shopping right and Mm -hmm. you're getting ready to go into a mortgage i mean honestly that's the time when i tell people you probably should get a little more serious about your credit score because having i mean a half a percent one way or another over a 15 or a 30 year mortgage can mean thousands sometimes tens Tens of of thousands absolutely you're right yeah in interest so that's that's when it probably actually makes sense to really scrutinize that now and i have people say you know should i worry about my credit score if i'm never going to borrow money and you know i like to disagree with dave ramsey and he's he's someone that says like don't worry about your credit score if you're not going to borrow money don't worry about your credit score and that is another point where i have to politely disagree with him because Mm -hmm. it affects other things Besides borrowing money, which some people aren't aware of that. So, for example, if you want to rent an apartment, they're going to pull your credit. If you are trying to get certain jobs, especially if you are going to be handling people's financial information or company financial information, there's a good chance that they're going to run your credit. Even if you're not going to be working in the financial field. They may still pull your credit. Um, In addition, car insurance companies can pull your credit. And the reason now, and there's a couple of states where it's illegal for them to do that, but it's only like less than five states, I think. And the reason why they do this, I mean, obviously, if you're renting an apartment, you know, they want to know that you're going to pay your rent. That makes sense. And it does also make sense if you're going to be working in accounting or banking that they would pull your credit. But what's interesting is that credit scores have been linked with 
overall personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Especially with, you know, car insurance, there's a direct correlation between people with good credit scores and people with good driving records. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. Can I, can I tell you my, yeah. my brief little story? Of course. <laughs> we, had, we had a major hit to our credit and we made some mistakes. I mean, I'm, I'm owning that. Um, but it was in the same year that we were just struggling financially, right? And that's what when it happens most, most likely. Of course. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we had a we had a mortgage of it was around thirteen fifty was our mortgage, and all of a sudden it jumped up to seventeen hundred. Ooh, a month, and I'm like, yeah, what in the heck is going on? And I thought, okay, we had a claim. Uh, there was there was a, a huge hailstorm. We had roof damage, so on and so forth. We had a claim, and I researched it and contacted the company. And said, "Look, this it jumped up because of this claim. This is ridiculous, so on and so forth." They looked into it, and my agent said, "No, it's it, it had nothing to do with the claim. They pulled your credit score, Ugh. and based on what our credit score had dropped, they increased the insurance rate. Yikes. So it was it was purely our homeowner's insurance that increased our rate." that much it was 300 and some odd dollars a month that increased because just because of homeowners insurance because yes. they pulled our credit score and that was so disheartening i mean that was so frustrating because you're already in a bind and then oh your credit dropped now we let feel like you're you. a risk let me yeah let me kick you while you're down and and then stomp on you a bit <laughs> and, and it was Ugh. bad and it we you know we changed companies at that point but it was it was tough, and it, that's, that's yeah. and I, I agree. It should be illegal in 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 certain ways for <laughs> that to happen because that doesn't determine you know that kind of future for you, right? But they're yeah. they're really screwing you up for the next you know that that took us about a year to get everything settled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Well, and you know the other reason why you don't want to ignore your credit score is. We want to keep an eye on things to potentially catch fraudulent activity. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't need to pay for credit monitoring or for somebody to repair our credit. Um, you can monitor your score with a personal finance app like Mint. Um, chances are most people are probably banking with someone that provides the credit score for free or through one of the credit cards. But if you see a major drop, that could be an indication that something fraudulent might be happening. If you know, like, hey, I've been paying all my bills on time, there's no reason for my credit score to drop 50 or 60 points, you may want to pull your credit report and see if there's something going on there. And that's something that I highly recommend people do at least once a year is to pull their credit report and you can do that for free so if you go to annualcreditreport.com you can actually pull all three credit bureaus reports there 
Um, you can pull all three at once. Hmm. Now, for some people who are actively working on correcting things that, that need to be fixed, you know, whether it's something that's reported on there that's, you know, either fraudulent or wrong, or they're actively working on repairing their credit, you can actually stagger them. So you may want to pull one of them every four months so that you're keeping a tighter eye on things if this is a focus for you because, you know, you're in that situation like you were in where you're trying to actively improve your credit mm -hmm. so that you can get some of these things taken care of. So we don't want to completely ignore the credit score, even if you don't intend to borrow money. Yeah. Now, the other question that I get is, you know, how can somebody establish credit or improve their credit score without taking on a bunch of debt? Um, probably the easiest way to do it is just to have, you know, maybe two to three credit cards in your household that you're putting a few things on every month and paying them off in full. That should keep you in the very good range as long as you're under that you know, 20 to 30% utilization rate. Now, with people who are trying to either reestablish credit, you know, maybe after a bankruptcy or, you know, let's just say your teenager, you know, you, you want them to be able to, at some point, get a mortgage, get a, uh, get a car loan, etc. One of two things, you could either... Actually, it's probably one of three things. You can get a secured credit card. So this is where you go to your local bank. You say, I would like to get a secured credit card. You put, let's just say, $1,000 in the bank. They freeze that $1,000, and then they give you a credit card with a $1,000 limit on it. And so essentially what they're saying is, hey, if you completely screw this up, we're going to take the money out of this account. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> As you charge things and pay them off, then you're going to start to rebuild that positive credit score. Yeah. Yep. So the other thing that's um, kind of relatively newer is what's called a credit builder loan. And this is where you have an arrangement with the bank that you are going to deposit a certain amount of money into an account over a period of time, like a payment. So hmm. you would basically say, okay, bank, I am going to pay $200 a month in this arrangement. They're putting it in a savings account on your behalf. They're charging you a service fee, a small service fee, but they're reporting your payment to the credit bureau. At the end of the arrangement, you have an account with money in it that you can use as a down payment for a car, for a house, et cetera. So Interesting. these have been gaining in popularity. Now, the other thing that you can do, and typically this is what I recommend for, um, you know, young people, if their parents are able to help them with this, you know, let's just say that you've saved up $10,000 to buy your kid a car. Well, if you want them to start building credit, what you could do is you could say, hey, Junior, just want to let you know we've got this money for you for a car. 
However, we want you to start establishing some credit. So here's what I'd like us to do. Let's put 5,000 down on this car. Let's do a joint car loan for the other 5,000. You pay on this and you get into this habit of making good payments. And then at the end of it, I'll give you the other 5,000. Yeah. Or you could also do a small joint credit card for your teenage son or daughter. So for example, you could say like, all right, I'm going to get a $2,000 line of credit and then I will add them as an authorized user on the account that will actually start to establish credit for them also. Hmm. But then you've kind of limited the damage. You know what I mean? It's like you don't yeah. want to put them on the credit card where you have like a $50,000. I was just going to say it. In fact, that's the number I was thinking. I was like, yeah, let's put Junior on the 50 grand. Whoop, party time. That's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the most important point of today's podcast is that your credit score is not the best measure of financial success. You know, it's it's only one indicator of your financial health. I like to say it's like the number on the scale. Like we talked about weight, right? And getting on different scales. Mm -hmm. We could have two women who are both five foot seven and weigh 135 pounds. And they're they're both 35 years old. One might drink a protein smoothie every day and run three miles. The other one might smoke a pack of cigarettes and eat a donut for breakfast every day. They weigh exactly the same amount. They are not equally healthy. Quite true. So we want to have some caution when we're looking at this. And there are some very unhealthy ways that we can manipulate our credit scores to get them to a certain value, so to speak. And I liken this to like, if you've ever watched um, UFC or you've ever watched a boxing match, mm -hmm. those guys, they have to weigh in within a half a pound, you know, within 24 hours of the fight. And my husband and I used to be really big into the UFC. I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but we've actually been to live events and gone to the weigh-ins. Oh, I've nice. met I've met Dana White. I got my picture taken with him. Um, That's awesome. And, and so I have seen these fighters do some really bad things to weigh in exactly at that weight. You know, like you can see them with the garbage bag suits on mm -hmm. running on the treadmill so they can sweat off a couple pounds. Yep. The fighters that show up the best and the healthiest at the fight are the ones who have done the healthy things to make sure that they weigh in the exact right amount on the exact right date versus the people that are using the quick fixes to manipulate. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so the number that I really want people to focus on is your net worth. That's what you own minus what you owe. That's really the true measure of how healthy you are financially. Now, 
if, you know, we don't want to ignore the credit score completely. But what I tell people is if you are doing healthy things for your finances, your credit score should come into a good to a very good range without you really even having to worry about it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like your weight. You know, if you eat healthy 90% of the time, you're probably going to have a healthy weight. Is that what you're saying I need to do? <laughs> hey, I'm not, I'm not, you are a big, tall dude. So, okay, you know, true. I am not. <laughs> I was just, when you brought up the 35-year-old who, you know, drinks a protein shake and runs three miles a day, my, my only thought was, so you're saying there's a 49-year-old guy out there that weighs 263 pounds that runs three miles a day and drinks a protein shake? Because that's not me. He's he, That's the mirror of me, right? The, the the bizarro world one? Is that what, you know? From I don't know. He's probably in the UFC in the heavyweight division. <laughs> right. Sweating, sweating on a treadmill right now while I'm sitting in a chair talking to you. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, nice. and, you know, it's your credit score. It is like that number on the scale. It doesn't. Yeah tell the whole picture of how financially healthy you are. And in fact, Eric, if you go out this afternoon and buy a lottery ticket and you won $10 million tonight, your credit score would not change one point. Mm, Good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It wouldn't change. Not at all. So that's why I tell people we really want to be focused more on the net worth than on the credit score. So be aware, but don't be obsessed with your credit score. You know, do the financially healthy things, and it's it's naturally going to come into a good range. Yeah. I bet my mailbox would be full of letters. <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> 10 million be. bucks probably <laughs> from long-lost relatives and the, and the credit card companies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Gravy. All right. So what can people do to learn more? I mean, the the, the bottom line is that this is great education. I mean, I learned quite a few things today. Um, But if people want to engage more with you and your content, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, if we've got listeners who are interested in getting and staying financially healthy, you know, check out my course, Financial Dignity on Demand. It takes you through every aspect of your personal finances and helps you get on solid ground with your money. And we've actually got a promo code so that our listeners can get a good sizable discount. Um, So if they put in podcast and go to Financial Dignity on Demand, they can find that there. And also, if you want my personalized one-on-one attention, uh, you know, reach out to me via email Hello at christinelucan.com, and we can talk about uh, financial coaching with me one-on-one. Awesome. Love it. All right. Well, I thank you for your time. Thank you for all the stuff you teach me and not judging me on my scale. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. And our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website 
at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.